Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the World of Ink Network, founded in 2011 by Virginia Grenier and Marsha Cook. Their vision was to start a radio show that helped writers reach their dreams. The World of Ink has a wonderful group of hosts who are dedicated to delivering shows to entertain and inspire listeners. The World of Ink Network shares resources that introduce tips, products, and services to help strengthen, support, and challenge those who love writing and the written word. Their hope is to bring not only authors, illustrators, and publishers together, but screenwriters, directors, and producers. New to the network will be a variety of special shows, bringing not only entertaining shows, but informative discussions on timely subjects. To learn more about us, go to www.worldofinknetwork.com or visit us on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Black, and I'm the host of this show, Into the Abyss with Elizabeth Black. I'm a writer myself. I write dark fiction, horror, and erotic fiction. My erotic medical thriller, Roughing It, may be found at Amazon. It's a sexy cross between The X-Files, The Andromeda Strain, and Outbreak. My erotic romance novel, No Restraint, is also available at Amazon. I'm here today with the show for Women in Horror Month, and my guests today are writers Billy Sue Moseman, Dana Fredsty, Sephora Garan, and Nikki, Nikki Gerlain. So I'd like to start with some introductions, but before I do that, I wanted to congratulate Billy Sue because she just made a preliminary ballot for the Stoker Awards. She, um, she has a superior, for superior achievement in an anthology, Frightmare Women Write Horror. So um, I'd like to start first with, uh, with Billy Sue. So just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe mention one or two of your books. Okay, uh, I'm Billy Sue Moseman. Uh, I've been writing since 1983-84. I decided to do an anthology of only women writers. And so I put out a call, and I got hundreds of submissions from great writers, wonderful stories, and it was very, very hard to whittle it down, but... We put together this anthology called Frightmare, Women Write Horror, and um, I was just so proud of it. Uh, I didn't put anything of mine in it. It wasn't for me. I wanted to do it for women writers everywhere because I kept seeing anthologies that would have 10 or 12 male writers in it and one or two, like, token female writers, and I thought that was just wrong. It just categorically wrong. So I put that together and it it got the uh, Stoker nomination in the anthology category and I'm so proud of it. I'm proud of the ladies. Well, congratulations again, Billy Sue. So, okay, you've done your introduction. So I want to get on to, oh, you're very welcome. And I'd like uh, next uh, Dana, Dana Fredsty, just to introduce yourself. Um, I'm Dana Fredsey, as you just said, and I've written a series that is basically, to describe it, it would be Buffy meets The Walking Dead, um, the Ashley Parker series, 
and I wrote that with Titan, and I'm doing some other work with them now, and as my bio says, I'm a crazy cat lady and a, a wino, and <laughs> and that's that pretty much, I, that, that sums it up there, at least for now. Okay, well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a crazy cat lady, too. I've got three of them in the behavior for a change, so that's a good thing. <laughs> and so I'll start, start <laughs> I'll go on next with uh, Sephora. Just uh, introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Sephora, and I'm a horror writer. Uh, let's see, uh, I had some books out from Sam Hain and from Leisure. Both uh, pu- publishers are now uh, not with us anymore. And um, I'm the Ontario chapter head of the Horror Writers Association. So congratulations, Billy Sue. <laughs> One for the team. Eh? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, um, uh, work I have out that just came out, um, I'm in an anthology called Intersections, which is uh, Six Tales of Ouija Horror, and I have one novella. We uh, Six of us wrote novellas, and uh, I wrote one of them. Uh, mine's about a street kid who becomes a magician and uh, needs a really cool trick for that next big act. And, yeah, and I'm working on a space opera, and I have a erotic horror series with Riverdale Avenue Books out as well, uh, the Witch Upon a Star series. Oh, and oh, I should well, also make good. a plug, too. <laughs> one more oh, plug. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm also uh, one of the founding members, um, while we're talking about podcasts, I always forget to mention, uh, I'm one of the Great Lake, um, Great Lakes Horror Company podcast people, and uh, yeah, so you can find us on iTunes. And, okay, now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. Okay, and to round it all off, we have Nikki Gerlain. So, Nikki, just uh, introduce um, yourself. <laughs> Yeah, hi, this is Nikki Gerlane, and I'm a writer, curator, and liaison, and uh, I've, I've got links to my work at radwriter.com, so I won't go into that, like, too much, but I, I pretty much, I write horror, but I write a lot of different things, so I'm not, like, strictly speaking uh, a writer of just horror fiction. Um, it's mostly strange, but horror is kind of hard to resist, so I definitely, like, right now I'm working on three horror stories, so it's where I get most of my invitations for, so that's it. Okay. Well, since, uh, well, okay, all the introductions are finished, so I have a I have a question for everybody. Since, uh, you know, Billy Sue is up for a Stoker Award this year, because she made the preliminary ballot, um, I have a question about the awards in general. Are they important? What kind of meaning do they convey? And as far as Billy Sue goes, I also have to mention that she was nominated for an Edgar Award for Best Novel for Night Cruising and a Stoker Award for Most mm-hmm. Superior Novel for Widow. So, um, what what important uh, what, what's important about awards? I mean, what what do they mean for for each of you? Anybody can start. <laughs> I'll start <laughs> since I, I broke the silence here. Okay. Um, you know, I I've never really thought that much about them, uh, but. I, I think that it would be really nice to be nominated for it and get one. I mean, I think I think they have different meanings for different people. For me personally, um, it, I'm not going to say it's not important because if, if I got nominated for one, you can bet I'd be popping the cork on the champagne. It's just not what, what motivates me when I write. So I think that it, it's a really nice acknowledgement, and I think getting acknowledged by your peers especially is, is a really great thing. So. Yeah, that's, that made that's the way I took it. It was, it was like a recognition from your peers. That's that's the way that yeah. I always took it. And it's just nice to have on a resume. So um, who else has any comment about, about awards? If you've won any, if you've been up for any? Um, I, I've been, oh, no, go ahead, Nikki. 
Oh, okay. Um, I have been nominated for a push cart. I think that uh, it's nice for when someone wants me. Like, usually when I write my bios, they're really short and they're funny and they have nothing to do with my writing because I want people to, like, <laughs> get to know me more. Um, but sometimes people will want something more formal, so it's kind of nice to throw that out there. That said, I've never bought anything based on being nominated for something, and I can't stand bios that have, like, this list of, like, things that someone's been rewarded for uh, or, you know. So uh, I think it's great for the writers to be recognized, but um, personally, um, you know, I mean, I guess it's nice, but I, it doesn't have anything to do with whether I buy a book or not. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Well, does, does anybody else? Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I usually go by the blur, but there's an award maybe. I mean, if, I'm all, <laughs> if I'm already leaning toward getting the book, if there's an award, then then it, that'll push yeah. me a little bit further, but it's not the deciding factor. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anybody else have any comments about awards? Yeah, I have. Um, it seems okay. like we're all on a similar page on this podcast because <laughs> I'm not motivated by awards. Um, I've never campaigned for an award, uh, which is probably why I never get nominated for awards because I never send out my stuff like everyone else does. And, you know, I get I'm an active member of the HWA, so I get dozens of emails a week of people sending me their books to be considered for awards. But I don't do that myself. So therefore, I shouldn't be surprised I'm never on the list. Um, but I have been nominated. I did win a Silver Hammer Award for my volunteer work with the Horror Writers Association. And I've won an award here in Canada for being a writer. Um, but yeah, um, and I won a stage manager award once, and that was really fun for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Nothing to do with horror, <laughs> oh, but nice. yeah, I'm not motivated by uh, awards. Um, I like I said, I don't campaign for them. I think it's fantastic when people win them, and I think it was Dana that said, uh, "Yeah, man, I'll be right there if I'm if I'm nominated. <laughs> I'll be jumping just as hard as anyone else." <laughs> yeah, but it, exactly. it certainly doesn't define me, and I've never picked up a book because it's an award winner ever and I share Nikki's I think it was Nikki that said uh that whole thing about the big list of awards in a bio I hate that too I think it sucks it's yeah <laughs> I'd rather read about the person I don't care about your awards I want to know about you that's why I'm reading your bio <laughs> yeah you know and it almost feels like overselling you know like I read a lot of bios and I'm just like it doesn't you're trying to get someone interested in reading your work but it just feels like you're trying to oversell it you know so yeah I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I'm glad someone else said it too. <laughs> yeah. And the campaigning, that's, that's, that's the campaigning sucks. Oh, oh I hate the campaigning. That's the only yeah, thing I, I hate like about. Uh, yes. I've been a member of HWA for what, like 25 years or something, and I hate, I hate the campaigning. I wish there was no awards associated with the HWA, which I know will get me in trouble because I said that publicly and out loud. But I've I have said <laughs> it at meetings. <laughs> I have said it at HWA meetings <laughs> that I think this should be stopped. But um, yeah, because I think the HWA has tons of things to offer, and then people get sidetracked by all this award business. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> I think they're go a ahead. nice sign to writers to help them get through a whole long career. And so that's nice. And probably the most excited I was was for the Edgar because, you know, there's five people out of all the mysteries and suspense written that year. And so mm-hmm. I went to New York to the Edgar Awards mm-hmm. And it was very exciting. I did not win, but it was really wonderful. And the lady who did win 
was with my same publisher. We had tables side-by-side with our own editor, side-by-side our own agent. And they announced it, and she won it. I didn't, so I'm sitting at the table feeling terrible. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the very next day, let me tell you what awards can do for you, especially the MWA Edgar Award. The next day, she was offered over $100,000 for her next book or two. And my my book went into an auction and was offered about 37000 So that was the difference of winning and not winning. (laughs) Wow. And I said, oh, well, Well, there is a difference. That's quite a difference, yeah. I know my editor would be happy if I had a Oh, I was just saying, I know that my, my editor at Titan would probably be very happy if I did win a Joker Award. So, yeah, I guess I guess that there is that connection with the publisher and, yeah. and you know, all of oh, that. Oh, for so. sure. Oh, I know. It means well, a lot to publishers for awards. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's a book series that I'm in now that I've just had a story accepted for uh, the third issue. And it consistently gets nominated. It hasn't made the preliminary ballot yet, but... I'm hoping, I mean, I'm, deep down I'm hoping, yeah, it would be nice to get nominated for an award. I've never been yeah. nominated before, but it would be nice. But it's like I'm, I'm well, not I going think... to hold on to it. I and mean, it doesn't mean that the story is good or bad. It just means it got somebody's attention. For the most and I think part, it's great, as as the anthology, the Billy, the, the Billy Sue's anthology, I think it's fantastic that that is on the ballot and that it's all female writers yes. in horror because that actually, oh. for me, has a little bit more resonance uh, and meaning than, you know, just because, yeah. Someone finished my sentence for me. <laughs> because it's recognizing women in horror. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, so and, I think that's a and that's, that's where I want to go with with my next question. Since this is about women in horror, and it's Women in Horror Month, and I, I did a podcast like this last year, and I, I think a couple of you have been on. Uh, all of you except Billy Sue has been on my sh- one of my shows at least once before. So. Uh, why do we need women in horror books? And when do you think we'll be, get, get to a point where we won't need this? That, that people, women will be recognized for writing without, you know, having this, uh, you know, numbers game being played. <laughs> Not for the next four years, probably. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, the four, yeah, next four I, to eight years. Uh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it's one of those things. You, you keep hearing people say it, but it's just I can't believe we're still having to fight this fight again. And you know, but but it, it's only. Well, I mean, someone else may have a better idea of how long it's been since women really started getting recognition in certain genres or being taken seriously because. I mean, Mysteries as well, that's why Sisters in Crime was started, to mm-hmm. have a platform and support, because a lot of the time, what we write is just not given the same level of seriousness, plus we get all of the cute little covers with, you know, cartoon women with high heels and lipstick, even if we're writing about mm-hmm. you know, god-awful murders. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that's going to happen in, in the next decade, but... I, it, it seems that there's going to be some fights that, that we're still going to be fighting for a while. And luckily there are, you know, renowned male horror writers who actually are incredibly supportive and are pushing for this to happen for us. It's just there's also a lot of writers that are male that are kind of like, why are you playing in my pond or my, 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 my waiting pool? So 
Long meandering answer, I don't know. So I, I think it's changing slowly, very slowly. But yeah. it's changing. They can't just keep out half the gender of the world. <laughs> yeah. This can't be done. They can't keep us out. Because like I said in the no, we're gonna in, keep going. Uh, yeah. In the forward in Brightmare. Well, I have um, an interesting. I have an interesting quote from uh, from Lisa Morton. This is from last year, uh, talking about these best of lists that uh, one of you mentioned earlier. They'll have a whole slew of men and then two token women. Yeah. And she said last year for uh, I think it was the Stoker StokerCon 2016 scholarship, out of 79 applicants for the opportunity, 50 were women. So there's uh, there's not much of a notion that that women aren't out there writing hard. They're definitely writing it. Yeah. It's a matter of them getting more recognition. I mean, some, I hear some people yeah. say that well, women don't get represented because they don't they don't write as much harm. Like, well, yes, they do. They're definitely yes, out there writing, and Billy you know, Sue is proof with the with the book that she edited. Yes, there's and they're so good. The writers that that sent in work, mm-hmm. they were all so good. I wish I could have done like five of those anthologies. <laughs> okay, well, for each of you. How did you come to become a writer, and what was it that attracted you so much to horror in the first place? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? Yes. Go ahead. Probably have to call on it. Anybody jump in? Well, this is Mickey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll go first. Um. I think the thing that attracts me to horror is there's such a, like an emotional spectrum uh, to horror that like appeals to me. And uh, it, I don't know, it's just, it feels a little bit more dangerous. So it makes me feel cozier when I write it, you know, kind of like I'm, I'm spoken off to like write a story uh, that's absolutely horrible. And, and because it's in the horror genre, I can pretty much get away with anything. Um, versus, like, mm-hmm. if I write in a different uh, genre, then there are too many things I have to be careful with. You know, I think horror is more of a playground where, you know, you can have, um, you know, like with science fiction and stuff, There, it seems like it's so rigid, like what is and is not, but, like, horror can be anything. You know, most science fiction is horror, but by kind of labeling it horror, like you're marketing to a larger group of people, which is all a genre is, is like a, a marketing tool. Yeah, well, I, I think that horror is more flexible because I, I also write romance yeah. and erotica, and there are some very, very stringent rules that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, down to the happily ever after ending or the happy for now ending, and uh, it, it, it can be it can be pretty restricting. And I don't find that kind of restriction with horror. This is, there's so many different types of horror no. that you know anybody yeah. can find find something to write and something to read. So what about yeah, Deborah, my Deborah, story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, for me, um, go ahead. Too much to go. <laughs> go, ahead. go ahead. I'm going last, so you guys duke it out there. <laughs> okay, Billy Sue, you go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to yeah. say that a lot of my stories in this the weird thing is in the long form in the novel, I have usually written suspense novels 
And but they'd be graphic. They would be real to life. And because of that, from the very beginning, they labeled my novels horror. And at first, I was upset about that because back in the 80s, horror was J.C. Andrews and crappy stuff that was on on the shelf, mm-hmm. you know. And I thought, oh, my God, what have they done? And so I knew I'd be there forever. But that's all right. I just went ahead and wrote, when I want to, I write suspense novels. Lately, I've written some dark fantasy novels. Um, I figure I'm going to write what I want. They can call it what they want. I don't really care. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cap, stop it. Okay. Go ahead. Anybody else want to say anything about how you became a writer? Um, Well, I was always writing when I was little. Um, Part of my thing was that um, I didn't like being read to, so I just, like, write really fast. I don't know. Um, But I've always been kind of dark, and uh, I I was drawn to, like, tales and stuff. And then uh, when I was about 14 was when Stephen King came out, and uh, the the book that really affected me was The Shining, and I read it in two days, and it scared the hell out of me. And when I closed that book, I told myself that, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be a horror writer and scare the hell out of people like I was scared. <laughs> yeah, and I met a couple of you at the Stanley last year, so that was cool. Oh, yeah. Finally go see that. Oh, man, finally see that place. Um, but, yeah, I like, I you know, I, I like dark things, and so I write dark things. And, um, yeah, I was influenced by Clive Barker and, and Stephen King and the Splatterpunk movement and all that stuff. And, you know, I wanted to be one of the boys. Oh, yeah, what I was going to say about the other question um, – with the women in horror month thing um yeah i i find it's more i find people most of the editors and publishers and agents within the genre you know are pretty respectful towards women and stuff i i find it's more trying to get the outside world to realize that women horror writers are scary and you know we're a thing too um that's kind of my attitude towards it all but yeah I, uh, and also back when I wanted you know to be a horror writer you know I was born in the 60s grew up in the 70s like you know women just didn't do that so it was like an edgy thing to do uh, but yeah my work is just naturally dark and even when I try for it not to be it is <laughs> <laughs> and that's just how I am <laughs> yeah I actually I share a lot in common with Sephora and all of this um this year and not so far. That is a makeup change. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> That's okay. You know, I, I, I've written since I was really small, since I was old enough to string letters together. And then I just remember in seventh grade in English class, which aside from drama was always my favorite class, I got a story back from the teacher. She gave me an A, but there was a note that said, next time try to write something less morbid. So um, <laughs> I had one yeah. of those. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I love being scared. I loved watching horror movies. I love Dark Shadows, which I thought was scary back then. You know, when you're when you're young, Dark mm-hmm. Shadows was scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, um, it was for sure. Yeah. Same thing scary. with with Stephen King. Um, and actually, The Shining. Yeah, that I think is probably his scariest book. And I just I love it. And I, same thing. Whatever I write, there's just usually an element 
of, of horror in it. Even I also write erotica, and two of my erotic romances had some really horrific stuff going on because it was fun. <laughs> it, it's just <laughs> it's, it's just really really fun, and there is part of me, and it's the same thing with mysteries. I am a very happy-go-lucky person naturally. And I think part of that is because I take out a lot of my, oh, you were really mean to me today. You die. You know, I killed them on paper and um, <laughs> you know, on my computer. It's, it's, it's just, it's a really fun world to play in. And I love reading it. And, yeah. I don't know what a well, psychiatrist would think of it. My, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I can thank both of my grandmothers for introducing me to horror, you know, against my mother's wishes. And she just made it so clear she didn't like me watching stuff like Dark Shadows and uh, The Twilight Zone. And then you know, she takes me to Iowa to see my other grandmother, and she had all those Alfred Hitchcock Presents books. So it was like no matter what she tried to do, she couldn't keep me away from it. I just found it everywhere. <laughs> and uh, and I, I grew up in Baltimore, so I, my, my, when, I was, uh, when I was 17, uh, in 11th grade, my, uh, we had to do a project to pick a famous American and write about him. And I was right in Edgar Allan Poe's backyard. I mean, he died nice. there. As I, you know, I grew up in Baltimore. So the first thing I did was that, you know, I went to the Poe Museum and I went to the Poe House. I went to Westminster Church and saw the grave, took pictures, got bought all kinds of books and stuff. And uh, I've been hooked. He, he's still my favorite writer, but I've been, I've been hooked on, uh, on Poe and horror from a very, very young age. And at the same time, I like mysteries. As I, um, I was reading a lot of yeah. Agatha Christie. And she was my, probably my favorite mystery writer. So I had a little bit of a combination of both going on there. Much to my mother's chagrin. <laughs> she wanted me to, you know, why, why don't you watch comedies or something? You know, something safe. I'm like, no, no, no. This is safe. It's, it's, it's controlled. It's safe. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, my mother oh, yeah, that, wouldn't read my, my stuff. My mom <laughs> wouldn't even read my stuff. She said, oh, I don't like that scary stuff. And then she'd sit down and read a detective novel. <laughs> Yeah. All those fifties, well, you know, uh-huh. the fifties detective novels with the ladies on the front. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I remember those. You didn't want to read my stuff. I said, okay. <laughs> it is a little dark. Well, how much support? How much support did the rest of you get from your family, like from the past and present, as far as your writing goes? Well, um, my it's funny when you were talking about your grandparents. The very first story I remember being read to me is the Telltale Heart by my grandpa on my dad's <laughs> side, um, which may have had something to do with the way that my mind went. But I have had nothing <laughs> but support from my my sister, my mother, my Bill, if you're listening, to my my wonderful stepfather. Um, my dad was kind of interested in it, but you know, was sort of distant. Um, and, yeah, I, I just never had anything but support from, from my family, and it, it's a really nice feeling, so. My mom always said, Anybody else? Send something to Reader's Digest. <laughs> said, no, Mom, I don't write things that will go in Reader's Digest. <laughs> Yeah, my parents have always been supportive. My dad's read everything I've ever written, including things I really wish he hadn't. Did he read any of the <laughs> Yes. Like, Dad, what the hell is this book doing in your house? <laughs> I used to that. mark the pages. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, oh yeah. I know. I found a copy of Hungarian Rhapsody in their house. I'm like, oh my god, I never even told them about this one. And then I saw, and it's halfway, it's opened halfway through, and I'm like, no, no. That's a rip. That was a book written for uh, Neon Books for their erotica line that didn't last. But it was like, yeah, it's, it's like, oh my god, now now that I'm you know really old, and I'm like, oh my god, my. I know my dad's still going to read what I write, and I don't even want to finish my erotica series anymore. <laughs> my dad's going to read it. Dad, you can't read it. Yeah, I yeah, he's yeah. been so supportive, my dad, yeah. yeah. He's a huge reader. And oh. and my parents, like, they always had all the bestsellers on their bookcases and stuff. So, you know, I'd pull off The Exorcist or The Magician or Happy Hooker or whatever the hell's big at the time. And so that's how I became a voracious reader and was just reading everything. So they'd be like, you're too young to read The Exorcist. It's like, well, you shouldn't have had it on the bookcase, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you want? <laughs> But, yeah, they've been very supportive. They want me to write nice things, but they've given up after, you know, 30 years or however long it's been. <laughs> I took my first novel to my dad, my stepfather, and I said, Daddy, he was raised by a minister, and he never cursed. He said bad words, and there's lots of bad words in Wireman. And I said, Daddy, now, listen, if you want to read this, it's got bad words in it. He said, that's okay. I said, are you sure? Are you sure you want to read this? Because it, it's pretty rough. It's got murder and blood and death and, and all these bad words. And he said, no, I'm going to read it. Well, he told me for many years that was his favorite book that I wrote. And I said, you didn't mind those bad words? He said, oh, no, I was in the service. He said, I know bad words. <laughs> He was so cute. <laughs> well, my parents and my sister were, I mean, they're not, they were never really big readers, especially what I write. So, you know, uh, I never really had much interest either which way from them. My mother couldn't stand that I wrote horror. I mean, she, she just doesn't, she just doesn't like it. Um, but I, I yeah. she knew that I wrote romances. Well, she died two years ago and she knew that I wrote romances, oh. but she didn't know that I wrote erotic romances and I didn't have the heart to tell her. So um, you know, they never read any of my books. I mean, they, they, they didn't have Kindle readers. So, I mean, they read, they still read newspapers. So, you know, it's, they have landlines, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, so yeah, they didn't like have my parents, but my, my son, my son is, is proud of me and I get a lot of support from my husband. And he's uh, especially the the horror short stories. He really really likes what I write, and he you know, he'll help me out with it. You know, come up with ideas, and you know, I'll run something past him and get a lot of help. And of course, there's Facebook. I have a lot of friends on Facebook that uh, that are also yeah. writers that um, that are very supportive. That's that's a great community for for being a writer. Is Facebook? Oh yeah, I think it's wonderful. Thank God for yeah, Facebook. Is. I would have gone crazy yes. long ago. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I already am crazy, but it would have been worse. <laughs> well, what's your favorite aspect yes. of writing? I mean, mine is putting the stuff down on paper and just seeing where it goes, just just letting it all take off. So what are your favorite aspects of writing? Hmm. Opening the big box of books when it shows up, but that doesn't happen anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I like to be in the middle of it. 
Yeah, I think my favorite part of writing is having written. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) being in the middle of the story and finding out where it's going and trying to make sure that the the ending makes sense for the whole first part of the story. But, yeah, I love it. I like the days in the I just love it. Yeah, you know when when you're you're in that point where sometimes you're slogging up the hill and then all of a sudden things just start clicking and you have one of those days where your word count exceeds your wildest imaginations and you're just having fun. I love it to be fun. When I wrote I wrote when I was young because it was what I wanted to do. I was driven to do it. I couldn't wait to do it and I've been training myself to recapture that feeling and stop looking at it as work just because I have a contract. It's something I love. And those days where it just is going so well and I come up with something and I start cackling to myself and my very supportive (laughs) husband who's sitting over there looks at me with a raised eyebrow like, what are you doing? And now he knows I've usually killed someone (laughs) doing that. But, you know, just just when it's fun. I love that Mm -hmm. feeling. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I love the research. I agree. Like, excuse me? I said I agree with you. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I probably, I love the, re- the research, the research aspect of, um, you know, of, of the writing. You know, when I have an idea that starts coming together and I want to very specifically get into something, even though, like, only five words, like, off of all that research will get in there, it'll be, like, the perfect, like, five words. And then yeah. the title, like pretty much uh, once I've locked down a title, everything serves the title. So like, I just, I love titles, you know, like you can, you can set up a whole story with the perfect title and skip like 15 pages just by having that perfect setup. It's like cover art, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I like the research aspect get lost? of it too. But... You ever get lost? I was going to say, do you ever get lost down the black hole of research? Research is, is really, really fun, and every now and again it goes down like these little rabbit holes. You had no idea you were going to go down. You know? oh, yeah. Four months later, I mean, sorry, I haven't written exactly. a word on my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you were to, like, if you were to go into my apartment, I have all these stacks of papers and notes and books for for basically projects that have, like, spun off of, like, research, doing research for another project, and each has a Philip K. Dick on top that's going to, like, you know, influence that. So, um, yeah, I get lost all the time, but, you know, I have a day job, too, so sometimes it's just nice to get lost in research, but it's not the most productive, for sure, always. (laughs) What kind of research do you do for your books? What kind of research do you do for your books? Yeah. Oh, oh well, I'm not. Uh, well, right now I'm working on four stories, and one story is for an anthology that is on divination and tarot. So I'm doing research for that. And then I was working on a story that was a space opera. So I All was right. reading some early space operas because I've never written a space opera. So, you know, just stuff like that. I, I like to look at a genre's origin and go, how do I make it mine and do it my way? You know, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so sometimes it's fiction, but sometimes it's nonfiction, you know, so it just, uh, yeah, so, Chero and Space Opera this month. <laughs> <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> right? I'm writing a space opera, and I'm always doing tarot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 
But yeah, I was thinking the, about uh, all those planets being discovered because that makes that's making my space opera book oh, a little that's easier cool. now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the most research I ever did for a book uh, was for my uh, novella Flesh Failure, which took place in 1888, and uh, I just went down all oh, a million rabbit holes. I was like, what an exciting year that was! Uh, it's so magical. I picked that year. <laughs> But I, you know, because I, I did like a Frankenstein monster, like a, a woman who was put together as a monster, digging herself out of a shallow grave. And then so I had to figure out how she can plug herself back in and where electricity was in those days, where Jack the Ripper was, <laughs> where where yeah. the Elephant Man was, and, you know, where everyone was and what they're doing and how they're relating to what's happening in my little story. So that was cool. I went down that rabbit hole for weeks. <laughs> it was fun. fun. And I even, like, did, like, a Google, I, you know, did, like, I, oh, it just, Life is so different with the internet, um, you know, because I had her walk from where she woke up in the park and then had her ha- walk over to Whitechapel, and yeah, I could actually see, like, the Google map of what it would what it would have been in her time, like in 1888, and where the uh, electricity was and where gaslight was. And it was, like, so cool. It was like, wow, this is cool. I wish I could put all this in the book, but, of course, you can't. But at least yeah. it gives it a sense of, um, I guess, realism, if you can call a you know, walking corpse <laughs> running around through White mm-hmm. Chapel real. But, you well, know, I so I think that when you're writing horror and you're writing something like that, like, you know, my, my series was zombies, but everything else, there, there has to be consistency in the world you create. But then if you're setting it in any real place or anything at all, you want to have that, that firm anchor to reality and to accuracy if you're setting it especially someplace specific, um, I think that it makes the, the horror and it, it gives it a, God, what am I trying to say? It makes it seem more plausible and believable when you have all of the other stuff set with your research and everything, realistic touches, then people are going to, they're not even going to go, well, this couldn't happen. There's no such thing as zombies or Frankenstein women monsters wandering around Whitechapel. <laughs> I think it really helps. So that's why I, I think research is I didn't used to. I used to just sort of make things up, and now I I, I love the research and even the rabbit holes. Um, I can stop myself from falling down, and I I just I think it it lends so much to to books and and stories and whatnot. Oh yeah, you know what? Well, I, oh, yeah. I, I literally went down the rabbit hole the other day because I'm trying to get into an Alice in Wonderland anthology. <laughs> so I was literally reading all that stuff in that time and. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> so well, I should really for, for authentically go down it. that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, for my for my novel, writing uh, it, in I my did some, latest... uh, a lot of research. In, I did a lot of research in infectious disease, and that, that was always been something that interested me since I was in college. I should have majored in biology, but um, I mean, I was looking into uh, toxoplasmosis and uh, brain sucking amoebae, and uh, what was the oh, all kinds <laughs> of other things like that. And uh, it was fun, and I got to incorporate all this knowledge into into a fictional story, which actually it strengthens the story when he had those yeah. kinds of those kinds of details in there, rather than just being vague about some like some disease that all these campers are coming down with, and nobody knows why. If I could be specific, then the reader goes, "Ooh, ooh, this is actually real." <laughs> Soft science, you know. Mm-hmm. In, in my yes. In my latest novel, Lostness, about the fallen angels, is the sequel. 
to Banished, and Banished took place in like the 1200s, and then all the way up through to the 40s, and or, or no, just before the 40s, and then it ended. And the second one that I just finished, Lostness, um, The Fallen Angels is the same one, and it was going to be set in in World War II times and the Great Depression. So I had to do some research, and I was finding out things that I didn't know that I really enjoyed finding out, like the Germans invading France through the mountains with their panzers, and that their 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 tanks were superior to all tanks ever made. And um, so the characters... There's things, you know, that even in a review somebody said, well, they loved the backdrop of World War II uh, for the story to be in. And then I even used a Crosley radio. Um, oh, and, and and characters discussing why they they didn't know. They didn't know why the Germans were were wrestling up all the Jews because they wouldn't, you know until later and so yeah the research really helps you out in making it more real yeah I think you're definitely right about that I mean I have uh, one of my stories is set in World War One, with uh, the Angels of Mons you know, that, that old legend and uh, I've I read part of uh, All Quiet on the Western Front to get that kind of feel of that style of writing for that time. And uh, you know, the short, you know, so I finished the short story, and it's like I, I ended up learning a lot about about World War One and trench warfare, and you know, uh, gases and everything else that they used at, at that time. Which you know, was of course it was the, really the, new for that time, of course. But uh, it, it just was enjoyable to to do the research involved in writing a story like that because otherwise I, I probably wouldn't have written it. How many so people have, have huge stacks of now. books all over their houses for the research materials that I have you have ten, to wait I have through? ten books that <laughs> oh, we're trying yeah. to get rid of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many yeah. books. Oh, yeah, I, I, got, I, oh, I have a question for everyone. <laughs> Are any of your stories based on personal experience? <laughs> Are any of them not? Oh yeah. Lots of giggling. My first was my always first afraid. <laughs> Go ahead. I was always afraid that I would hurt people in my family because, you know, they had dramatic lives and I could have used them, but it it would have hurt them. And then when my mother passed, I was able to do it because. She'd never know about it. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. use use that I'd learned from being in a dysfunctional family. <laughs> so I used psychological stuff, but I didn't use real stuff until lately. So my first then, book was not actually horror. It was a murder mystery, and I based it very heavily, uh, my my best friend and I had a, a murder mystery theatrical group in San Diego, and we worked with a woman who was just an absolute bitch, and we wanted to kill her. And so this book <laughs> got written because I wanted to kill her. And um, it's a lot of real characters. Uh, got permission. Uh, didn't didn't use anyone's actual name. 
but but there was a lot of things in that that actually happened. And so when I was first giving talks on the book, like to the local mystery groups, my friend who had had been my my partner in the murder mystery thing would go with me, and I'd be talking about stuff. And oh yeah, and, and then we did this and did this, and she's sitting in the background going, "Dude, no, that didn't really happen. That that was made up. That really happened." So yeah, uh, <laughs> I did do something mm-hmm. on on the real events and. It's all blurred together in the midst of time. <laughs> yeah, I killed my husband in one of my short stories. He loves it. I think Ooh. it's a badge of honor. He had some kind of infection on his – it's in my story, Infection. And I got the idea from this infection that he got on his leg, and he, nobody could figure out where it came from. So I decided <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be fairies. They came out out of the wound. They're mean, nasty. These aren't Disney fairies. These are really you know, malevolent, horrible little creatures. And I had such a blast writing that story. And he didn't like his doctor either, so I had him in it and killed him off too. So it's kind of fun killing people off in your stories. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. And I think it's very therapeutic, and it probably saves a lot of money on psychology or psychiatric yes. bills or jail time. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why horror writers laugh so much. (laughs) And most writers don't have to go to the therapist. (laughs) Yeah, we just just take it out in our stories. Absolutely. Who are some of your favorite authors? Male or female, either way. Steinbeck, Shirley, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Jim Thompson, uh, the detective story writer. Um, mm-hmm. Ray Bradbury, lots and lots and lots of them. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll go. Uh, Agatha Christie, uh, uh, Elizabeth Peters, Barbara Michaels, uh, just one Stephen King. I mean, stuff that I grew up with. Um, I love. I mean. Current male horror writers that I love: Joe McKinney, Jonathan Mayberry. Um, looking around, oh Barbara Hamley. I love Barbara Hamley um, and Charles Dolan. Barbara Hamley writes. She used to write kind of fantasy, but they're, they're some of the most terrific books I've ever read. Um, I guess they'd be called dark fantasy now. Um, I think I've reread her books more than I've reread anything, even Stephen King. So. Yeah, I like uh, Shirley Jackson, um, yeah. uh, Agatha Christie. I've been reading a lot of Dorothy Parker lately. I've been really getting into that. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the male writer, I'm another, I also like Ray Bradbury and uh, Joe Lansdale, Trent Zelazny. Uh there, There's so many, I, I just can't even think of any more off the top of my head. There's just too many of them. Oh, oh yeah. Tons and tons. Mm-hmm. I mean, back, you know, back in the 90s or whenever it was, The Abyss. Uh, books and the leisure books, and I, I was just right mm-hmm. into all of those things. I know. You know uh, oh, all those Mary things. Shelley. <laughs> yeah, there's that oh, Mary yeah. Shelley. Gotta woman. remember Mary Shelley. Can't <laughs> forget Mary Shelley. The, the, great, the godmother of us all. <laughs> How could yeah. anyone so at 19 years old write that book? It's just an amazing thing. Well, there was no TV or video games to distract her, so. <laughs> And they were better educated I, back then, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, a couple, a couple of my favorite writers um, aren't necessarily horror writers, 
uh, James Lee Burke writes detective fiction. He writes the uh, Dave Robichaux series. He's like my favorite modern writer, James Lee Burke. He's like so, so good. And then um, I love Darren Morgan's scripts. He's a screenwriter, and uh, he wrote Ho- uh, Jose Chung's From Outer Space mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. uh, you know, Millennium Doomsday. Like, you know, he um, he does, like, com- it's like horror comedy, like, almost. Just really great. I think I'm probably more informed by actually, uh, like, television writing than anything else. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like my mode. You know, I like a book to kind of feel like a date or a... Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, a partner for a little bit that I get to leave after a while. <laughs> like I get yeah. to enjoy them for a while and then leave them. And, uh, you know, I like my TV because of that. And I like my books because of that. I like to mm-hmm. revisit them, but I like to put them away after I'm done. Now you mentioned Darren Morgan. I'm kind of partial to Glenn Morgan because uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm yeah, a huge fan of the X-Files, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, uh-huh. Well, when I, I was on the AOL chat you know, back when they first started, and Glenn Morgan used to come in as a guest just to hang out with us. He'd tell us what the next episode was about, what's going on, what's going on in the show. He began naming characters after the people in the group. And it was only about 30 uh-huh. hours. Oh, cool. This was like during the first and second season. And then it caught on. And then people would come and say, Glenn Morgan's in here. Where? And then Glenn would say, where? Where? Where's Glenn Morgan? <laughs> But all of a sudden, we knew what his screen name was, so we wouldn't tell anybody. But it was, that was probably my, my favorite chat of all time, was just to be in there with Glenn Morgan. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I sent a resume. At the, time I, at the time, I was working in movies. I, I, was, uh, I did a lot of uh, electrics, you know, lighting. And I sent off a resume, except that I, I couldn't get in. But uh, at least he gave me the, you know, the right people to write to to see if I could get in yeah. in Vancouver, British Columbia. But it was, it was just so cool. And, yeah, he is, I think he's a fine writer. And he's still doing stuff. Yeah. He's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll one of my favorite Xbox episodes is like from the new season, the where the where you know creature. You know, that's like mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. some of the best X Files ever. And he wrote that, so yeah. Oh, definitely. I like Taboo, and that guy that you just don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, I only he's saw scary. the first one so far. That. I got to catch up on that Taboo. So it's really good? Yeah, I've seen the first episode. I saw the first episode, but I haven't seen the the first one yet. But I like it. It seems seems really slow and and hardly nothing's happening. But when you follow it, that guy, man, he's like nobody else has ever been on Mm -hmm. any show, on any story. And so he's original. And that's what makes it fascinating to me. Oh, right on. I like and I've got a, I've got a thing <laughs> I got a thing for that detective on Law and Order, you know the kind of heavy <laughs> one. The, when you say you have a thing, do we mean a <laughs> D D Orofino or something? Uh huh. I, I I can never get his mm, name, but sure he, he's so great. Well, what are some of, uh, you know, talking about television, what are some of your favorite uh, horror TV shows and movies? I want to be for XX to come out, the one that's directed by four women. That that, that one sounds like it's going to be really good. It's an anthology series. Yeah, it's playing here in Toronto. Uh, it was going to go last week, but it was sold out. So I haven't, I think it's playing for a week, but I haven't had a chance to go out and see it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she's from Toronto, so obviously we have it here. <laughs> Uh-huh. I have favorite TV shows. I still, I still, my still favorite is uh, 
the American Horror Story Freak Show storyline with Sandy oh, cool. Mott. That's my favorite of all time. I, and I, I wish they hadn't dropped the ball so badly on the whole Freak Show thing because that, that would, would have been so enticing and cool um, if they had, you know, not thrown in the kitchen sink as they tend to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I and I and I heard the the new American Horror Story is now going to be about Trump and politics and that uh-huh. doesn't please oh, me. No. Oh, yeah. uh, I like I like I'm already burnt out on this shit, you know. <laughs> and like I live in Canada, I just want to enjoy life, you know. <laughs> I don't want to hear about politics. I don't know if I can watch that. No. Yeah, yeah, that season sucked so bad. I mean, I didn't. I know a lot of people liked it. I didn't. The reality uh-huh. TV show, and I love reality TV shows, but again, I felt like maybe it just wasn't approached properly, or I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I kept waiting for a, the final twist, and there wasn't one. Um, but Which yeah, right now, ba- the uh, American <laughs> Horror Story last season, oh, okay. whatever, uh, oh, Rogan Oak or whatever it was. Rowan Oak. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rowan Oak. That's it. Rowan Oak nightmare. But yeah, the Bates Motel, they just kicked it off on Monday night, the new, the final season, and Mom's dead, and oh my God, it's getting oh, like yeah. so it's amazing. Getting really it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And Norman's what do you brother think of the is the cutest dead? thing in the world. So yeah, <laughs> that's why I watched it. Walking Dead goes <laughs> up and down. It, it goes up and down, yeah. I think. I mean, I. Bates Motel? I know. Oh, no, the first no, no, season, I nearly stopped watching yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even going to watch it. I watch it until Negan gets kicked off. I mean, I, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. That's, he's the only reason I'm watching The Walking Dead at this point. It's oh, I've never you know, watched it. I just it. like watching him play Negan. Me. Yeah, I've I think watched... he talks too much. I think that he talks way, 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 way too much. Yeah, he, he's very verbose. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I just I found myself getting irritated when would you just hit someone with Lucille, would you just shut up and just do something? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually um I think sometimes the direction's a little self indulgent and a little film slowly. And that being said, I you know, I've been watching the show and reading the books since they they came out and I, I will still continue, but sometimes it's work watching it. <laughs> the Walking Dead? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I would agree with that because I've tried to watch the first episode several times and I can't get past it. <laughs> Let alone ten <laughs> oh. years worth. <laughs> I just I just don't. Me I'm just, I know I'm an anti horror writer, I guess, but I I just never have really had a thing for zombies. The, the storylines don't interest me, but you know it's because I like serial killers and stuff like that. So, <laughs> even though I guess zombies are serial killers in a way, but I don't know. They're just not my bag. But. Yeah, so, oh, and I'm watching that new Legion show. Oh, I love that show. Oh, that's Last cool. night was the that's third one. Holy shit, I'm in love with that show, even though I've heard it's what like is- an X-Men spinoff or something. But my son's like, Mom, you're watching an X-Men spinoff. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea how good the show is. It's so cool. Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N. Oh, yeah, that, that is good. Oh, I love it so much. I hope they don't screw it up. <laughs> it's like they're going to screw How up the new Star like, Wars. I know it. <laughs> do you like Penny Dreadful, which we have not seen yet? I, I have oh, never Penny seen Dreadful it. was love wonderful. It. It's oh, so I, good. Everyone keeps, 
telling me I would love it, but I have no way to get it. It wasn't on any of the TV stations up here, um, uh, like that I get. And even though I I pay extra for fancy ass channels, it wasn't on any of the ones I actually pay for. So I'm hoping it'll come on to Netflix soon. Um, in Canada, our Netflix is different than yours. I think you guys already had was it, it on Netflix. On, but was it originally on Showtime? Oh. Wasn't it on Showtime? Hey, I think. I don't I think, think it was I think, Showtime. I think there I was can't some wait on for Showtime. Yeah, I like can't we watched Showtime up here, but I never saw it. I can't well, wait we for have Stranger about Things we have about to come on again. Yeah, I have to we watch that. I, do, I just haven't sat down to watch it because I do have it on the Netflix up here. The little girl in that is such a, a great actress. She really is. She really is. Very good Which show, like but they haven't. Just a Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Yeah. Oh, that, that's really good. I like that. Well, we have about four minutes left, so I wanted everybody to, uh, I guess, tell me where where we can find you on the web, like your website, Facebook page, Twitter, that sort of thing, and uh, any upcoming projects that you have or anything that you'd like people to, to be aware of so that they can pick it up at Amazon. So uh, we'll start with Sephora. Okay. Um, you can find me all over the place. SephoraJerome.ca um, is kind of my blog. And I have tarotpaths.blogspot.ca for my tarot readings and stuff. Uh, scarletediting.blogspot.ca for my editing services. Please uh, get them. And then you can find me on Fiverr. I have tarot and editing on there. And uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I'm on all the things. And I use my real name so you can find me easily. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so look, look for my story in Intersections, Six Tales of Ouija Horrors, Megan Hart, Rob Boley, um, Brad Hodson, Chris Mars, and Carrie Lip. I think I got everyone. Um, we all wrote novellas in that, and that just came out a couple weeks ago. I'd love for you guys all to read that. Uh, that's my, my magician story. And then I, uh, my Ontario chapter, uh, we put out our first anthology, but we called it a Great Lakes Horror Company anthology, but it's all Ontario chapter members, horror writer chapter members. Uh, it's called Group Hex, and there's something like 28 stories in there or something. Nancy Kilpatrick, Kelly Armstrong, people like that are in there. Yeah, and I can talk forever, but I won't. Next. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. okay uh, Nikki, Nikki, your turn. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm mostly, um, I'm on Twitter, but only when I get banned from Facebook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you can't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been following um, that. Mostly... Yeah, I've been following <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, um, my and, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, yeah, so Facebook, um, yeah, and then radwriter.com, I update it every so often with links. And the next thing I have coming out is I was part of a round robin um, called The Leaves of the Necronomicon, and it's being put out by Chaosium Press. And I think that it's finally coming out um, this fall. It was supposed to come out like two years ago, and so that's kind of cool, Rising from the Dead. Uh, I think that's the next thing, and and that's it. (laughs) Okay, next would be Dana. Uh, com is my website, which I update sporadically. I'm on Facebook with my real name. I'm on Twitter with Zadi1, and that's Z-H-A-D-I. Um, I've got the first in a new series coming out in 
the end of June, and that's Dark Urban Fantasy, which means horror by any other name, and it's loosely based on the Lilith mythos, and I've got a sci-fi book coming out that I co-wrote with my husband, David Gerald, coming out, I think, at the end of the year, and a short story in uh, anthology, Joe Ledger Unstoppable, and I think that's it. Here we go. Okay, and Billy Sue. Um, my latest novel is Lostness, and I have a story that just came out in Dark Screams from Hydra um, Random House. It's on pre-order. You can get it pre-ordered now. Um, I can't think. <laughs> uh, well, you're building some oh, mental Facebook, so you're easy to find there. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook as Billy S. Moseman. And one of my stories has been taken for World Horror Anthology. And Yay. it's an inner Yay, all right. And I'm the only one from the USA. That's awesome. Wow. Nice. Congrats. So I thought that was, that was right on. And anyway, and, that, oh, leaves, that leaves me. I'm. Oh, okay, that leaves me. I'm Elizabeth Black. Um, I, actually, I write hard as E.A. Black, and you can find me at eablack-writer.blogspot.com. I'm Elizabeth A. Black on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, my next story coming out is called Invisible, and it's going to be in Zippered Flesh 3, Yet More Tales of Body Enhancements Gone Bad, coming out toward the end of the year. <laughs> and my next show is going to be Thursday, March 23rd at 8 p.m. And my, my writer guest is going to be, he's also a horror writer, and his name is Tom Deedy, and he's also up for a Stoker Award, and you know he just got word today for uh, Best First Novel. His novel is called Haven. So I'll be talking to Tom you know, next month at about this time or a little later. So um, I had a great time, and thank you all of you for being on. I'm really happy. Well, thank uh, you. We had, we had a great show. Thank this you so much and for having us. All of you thank on you. Again. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, well, take care. <laughs> I'll definitely thank have you. you all on again. Okay, well, take care. Yay. Bye-bye. 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 Bye